The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to Matthew. Jesus said to his disciples about his coming, but about that day and hour, no one knows, neither the angels nor the Son, but only the Father. For as the days of Noah were, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. For as in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day Noah entered the ark. And they knew nothing until the flood came and swept them all away. So too will be the coming of the Son of Man. Then two will be in the field. One will be taken and one will be left. Two women will be grinding meal together. One will be taken and one will be left. Keep awake, therefore, for you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. But understand this. If the owner of the house had known in what part of the night the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake and would not have let his house be broken into. Therefore, you must also be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an unexpected hour. The Gospel of the Lord. I speak in the name of the one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. From today's gospel, then two will be in the field and one will be taken and one will be left. Two women will be grinding meal together and one will be taken and one will be left. So, There you have it. Remember those books that came out a couple of decades ago, the Left Behind series that predicted the rapture and who would be taken up with Jesus and who would be left behind? Well, it appears that it was spot on. They were right. And so what we need to do after this service, not this minute, but what we need to do is we need to leave here and we need to go out and we need to buy some of those bumper stickers. Now, you know the ones I'm talking about, the ones that say, beware, in the event of the rapture, this car will be unoccupied. That's what Jesus is saying today, right? Well, there's a couple of problems. The first is, you know, Jesus never actually said that the ones that were taken were the lucky ones. What if those folks were taken to such a not good place and the ones left behind are the lucky ones? Set aside that murky little issue. There is a more serious problem with this left behind theology. And it's this. Nowhere does Jesus distinguish who stays, who goes. The examples he gives, we have two men working in the field and, well, that's just it. It's just two men working in the field. Nothing to set one apart from the other. The same with the two women. They Not only are they, you can't tell them apart, there they are. They're working literally side by side, grinding meal together in the same, in the same room Nothing to distinguish one from the other. You see, Jesus doesn't give any kind of blueprint here as to who will be taken, who will be left behind. 
If, if we take today's gospel lesson on its face value, well, that issue is really a matter of chance. Which of the men will be left in the field? Flip a coin. Which of the two women who are grinding meal will be taken away? May as well play rock, paper, scissors. Jesus doesn't say. Now, don't get me wrong. I know that there are some of my, my friends, my fundamental brethren, who would say, oh, but I can tell you how to distinguish. Those who believe in Jesus will be taken away. And still others would say, no, it's those who have lived a good enough life. Those will be the ones taken away. Well, aside from the fact that's not what Jesus says, there's a big problem here. And the problem is what Jesus has to say and what Jesus does in the other parts of the gospel. You see, I think today's lesson is an exquisite example of the problem with the fallacy of trying to create an entire faith system based on one or two or a a handful of verses. That's a mistake. In fact, I think there's a reason that we have four Gospels instead of one. And I've said this before. You see, the message or the picture, if you will, of who Jesus is, what Jesus wants us to believe, how Jesus wants us to act, that's a picture that emerges from the totality of the four Gospels. The best analogy I can give you is the the analogy of, of uh, a large mosaic on a wall. And if you stand two inches from that mosaic, you can pick out a few colors that don't make any sense together. But when you step back and step back far enough so that you can see the whole mosaic at one time, its beauty emerges. And the same is true with Christ. The picture of Christ emerges from the whole panoply of, of the four Gospels together. And so it is a mistake to focus on one or two or even a handful of verses as we try to create our system of belief. Well, so that's what Jesus is not doing here. What is Jesus doing? What is he saying to us? Well, what if? What if... Jesus' words today aren't about getting to heaven. What if Jesus today isn't trying to predict the future? What if Jesus here today is not meaning for his words to be taken literally, but are using these examples as a device to get to another point? I believe that Jesus here is trying to reframe our vision, reframe our focus. Here I believe Jesus is addressing a problem that I think most of us have, and I for sure know that I have. And it's the problem with a preoccupation with the future. Now, my preoccupation with the future manifests itself with plans. I love to make a plan. I've got a plan for the rest of the afternoon. I've got a plan for tomorrow. I've got plans for next week, next month, next year. I love to have plans. Now, I've been around long enough to know that circumstances can change 
making plans that I've made no longer useful. But don't you see, that feeds into my love of planning because then when that happens, what happens to me? I get another chance to make a plan, right? It's great. Perhaps, perhaps my love affair with plans is best illustrated by my embrace of contingency planning. You know, I plan this. If this happens, then I'll do that. If that happens, then I'll do this. At my very finest, I can come up with plans for five or six contingencies at the very same time. And then I'm in my happy space. But there's a problem with this preoccupation with the future, this problem with focus on planning, if you will. And it's this. It presumes that we can predict, that we can know the future, or at least that we can know all of the possible futures. And from there, we take the next step to thinking that we can then, knowing the future, we can then mold the future to suit our purposes, to fit our needs and our desires. Do you see the problem with that? It's a problem of arrogance. It blinds us to the reality of our place in this world, in this universe. And that place is this. In the final analysis, we are creatures who are entirely dependent upon God. I think here today, Jesus is talking to Randy about reframing this issue of planning. Now, let me say this. Yeah, plans are necessary. you got to plan for retirement. As groups, you need to make future plans. Without plans at all, the fabric of society would unravel. But as I make plans, as we make plans, individually and as groups, Jesus is saying that we should make these plans with a profound sense of humility. Recognizing that everything that we have, everything we are, everything that that is a part of us, including our very life itself, our life next week, our life tomorrow, the very next breath we take, all of it, all of it is a gift from God. It is with that profound sense of humility we are to view the present and the future. And then Jesus ends his discussion today with an admonition. The admonition is, be ready. What does that mean, to be ready? What is Jesus talking about? Is he saying, be continually in prayer? Is he saying, be continually practicing evangelism? Is he saying, be continually about the business of helping the poor and the needy neighbor among us? I think the answer to those three questions is no, and yet maybe yes. I think what Jesus is saying here is be ready in the sense that be always aware, always alert to the fact that at every moment in our lives, we live those lives in the presence of the divine one. To be always aware that again, everything that we have, 
Everything that we are is a gift of the generous one. And when we take that new view of the present and the future, when we change our focus, our frame of reference, well then those things like prayer, evangelism, kindness and assistance to those in need, those things naturally flow out of us as we, as we take off any of our illusions that we can control the future. We do not know what the future will bring. We don't know tomorrow's future any more than we know what happens in the next decade. We don't even know how much of a future any one of us has. But what we do know and what we do have is the here and now, the here and now in the presence of the all-loving one. And so, perhaps this whole lesson can be summed up in one of my favorite verses in all of the Bible. It's a verse from Psalm 118. Today, today is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Amen.